eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Are you listening? Damn. And welcome into another episode of the Damn Podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network and powered by BeaverBlitz.com. I'm your host, Carter Baines, joined as always by BeaverBlitz.com publisher Angie Machado here on Monday, March 20th, fully in March Madness mode. But we are talking all things football on today's episode. Oregon State is halfway through spring camp. Angie has been there in Corvallis uh, just about the entire time I made it down for one practice after getting back from vacation we're going to recap the first two weeks go fully in depth talk about everything that we have seen on the practice fields thus far we have a new microphone set up today as i'm sure you can tell uh on uh, on the youtube side uh, i figured out finally how to go cordless and still use the microphone uh, we've adjusted angie's microphone so we should be loud and clear um I know we we received some some comments about a scratching noise. I think with all of this, we have sorted it out. But let us know if there's anything we need to adjust uh, moving forward. Angie, I'll bring you in here again on Monday, March 20th. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we have recorded a podcast. Last time we were here, we previewed spring camp. And now we're going to talk about what we've seen. Uh, but how's today's the first day of spring officially. How is it going at the Machado household? It's good. I, I mean, the weather's not cooperating, but got the, I, I pulled the flip-flops out today. Couldn't, I could not. So uh, I'm rocking in some flip-flops and, and of course a sweater and, and a vest. So um, no, it's good. Um, kiddo is playing freshman baseball at um, Sherwood High. So um, we've already made our way out to the cold to watch some baseball, but um, it's all good here. And been to Corvallis quite a few times already the first two weeks of March. So I'm excited about what we're seeing and excited to dive in and let's talk some football. Yeah, we had a couple of actually really nice days over the weekend. So uh, two two very nice practices down in Corvallis. And it's funny you say you have the flip-flops out because we are fully back to winter. It's uh, it's raining. It's in the 40s. Um, but yeah, it's the, that's what you get springtime in Oregon. Uh, good basketball watching weather though. It, it's an excuse to sit on the couch. Uh, and with that, let's talk just briefly about March Madness before we dive into football, because we do have a fully, fully jam-packed episode here to recap spring camp, uh, as, as we are two weeks into it, but I want to highlight the Beaver Blitz official group, uh, at CBS sports men's bracket. 
Basket Games because we did get this up and running. Angie uh, rebooted the the pool for March Madness. Tons of upsets in the first round. So of the 26 brackets we have entered in our group, uh, it's, it's, it's a rough go of it for a lot of people. But uh, uh, Angie, my champion is still alive. Yours is still alive. A lot of Houston, a lot of Alabama in our pool. Let's run through the standings here. Uh, hopefully some of our listeners are involved, but uh, uh, for those who are not, we'll give them a little update on who's doing well. So I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here because I am towards the top of the standings, but I'll run through it. Uh, Everett Miller leads the group with 45 points. Audrey Bachman and Ben Forgard tied for second, 44. Uh, proud BF moment there uh, with Audrey coming in second as we stand four, Did you help her with four her? days in. Did you help her with her bracket? I, I, I'm going to take no credit there. I'm okay. going to take no credit. She, okay. she knew my final four going into it, but um, we, we had some differences. So uh, shout out there to the, uh, to the top three with Everett, Audrey, and Ben. Connor King checks in at fourth with 42 points. Uh, and then I'm part of a five-way tie for fifth at 41. So only a couple of games separating the top five there. Angie, unfortunately for you, uh, it's, it's not so bright finishing or checking in currently in a five-way tie for 20th with 35 points. So, um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be completely honest. Back first. Um, I'm going to be so honest with you guys, because seriously, I did this bracket. Um, I was the total girl in how I did it. Um, first of all, it took me about 30 seconds to do it. And I was going off of, I didn't quite go whose uniforms I like the best, but I was like, Oh, I know so-and-so works at that school. I'll pick them. Or Luke's going to Grand Canyon next year. So I'm going to pick the Lopes. Yeah. It was I you picked Grand Canyon to upset Gonzaga first. I did. I did. See, this is this is why I knew I was gonna just be bad because I I I was I was picking my picks on emotion and just going through it as quick as I could because I'm gonna be super honest again. I did not watch much basketball. Hey, oftentimes that's exactly the best way to pick upsets because of the ones I picked, I, I think I picked probably five or six upsets and got one of them right. So, um, yeah, you're you're taking a shot in the dark there when when you're picking upsets. So, but I, I did have Grand Canyon going to the Sweet Sixteen just because you know. That's, I mean, that's hopes up. Hopes <laughs> up, maybe. Uh, I'll highlight our our top three and possible points too. Um, that's the the metric that I like to use when I'm when I'm really gauging the uh, the success of my bracket. Uh, in these pools, and I do check in in the top three here in possible points. Uh, number one, Audrey Bachman, 156. Uh, I check in at second in possible points at 153. So that, Angie, uh, I, I believe we call that power couple. Is, yes, is that yes. what that's called? Yes, uh, we it is. Our, we know our basketball. Uh, Everett Miller at 145 leads the group, but checking in third at possible points. That is the Beaver Blitz official group at CBS Sports Men's Bracket Games. Uh, unfortunately, it's too late to enter your bracket there, but lots of great prizes going on uh, on the national side at CBS. A Angie, do we have a prize in the, in the Beaver Blitz official group, or is it bragging rights? Or, it's bragging or, rights. Uh, bragging rights yeah. for a, a full year. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm still uh, I'm still sitting pretty there in the, in the top five, but um, as this tournament has gone... <laughs> It's very clear that can change in a heartbeat. So uh, I guess I guess check back in on Thursday. Okay, let's set the stage for our spring camp mid. What would we call it? Our, our mid, mid camp, camp review. Yeah, let's do it. Mid camp review because what well, we've had six practices. Um, there's nine more left. So yeah, it's kind of middle of the middle of the camp. Just about yeah, they'll go for for three weeks when we get back from spring break. Um, but yeah, let's let's set the stage for for what we're going to talk about here over the next fifty-ish minutes or so. Um, we'll start with I, I missed the first week of camp. I'll be completely honest. I'm going to rely on a lot of Angie's expertise here because uh, I was I was in Paris. Um, much needed vacation. It was hard to leave. Somewhat glad to be back. It was nice to go watch football immediately after getting back. It forced me to dive back into work. Um, but I was I was swimming a little bit out there. I felt like I felt like one of those early enrollees, one of those transfers, learning the playbook. I was still trying to figure out some of the number changes. Um, but I settled in. I settled in nicely. I, I picked up a few tidbits here and there throughout practice. Um, more than anything, I was 
just glad to go sit under the sun at Reeser and watch some football. So uh, no, no complaints there as far as things to do when you get back from, from Europe. But uh, in the meantime, we welcome Jake Hedberg to the team and Angie, I'll let you introduce him here. Uh, he filled in for me uh, in my absence and, and the two of you handled the practice reports, the features, the interview videos. Uh, and those are all of course up on the site, but uh, Angie, why don't you welcome Jake to the team? I'm sure he's listening. Yeah. Yes, Jake, um, we are super lucky to have him. He is a student at Oregon State right now, and um, he's been in touch with me quite a bit over the past couple months about how he could help out and, and kind of getting involved with the site. So he met me week one, um, practice one, and I was totally blown away. He knew the whole roster, so um, he knew what was going on. He played football, basketball, and baseball at West Lynn back when he was a prep, so he knows his stuff. He knows his sports, and uh, we're excited to bring him on to uh, – help us with the the beaver beat down in Corvallis. So um, you'll be seeing him um, around. You'll be hearing, you know, hearing from him. In fact, I just got an article from him. He caught up with Brandon Tullis, the running back uh, that visited one of the beavers top running back prospects for 2024. So um, we'll have a, a story on that tomorrow morning. First thing. Three sport expertise from Jake Hedberg. Welcome to the team. It was great to meet him last Thursday when I was down in Corvallis. Um, his his expertise and and his coverage of spring camp, you're not going to want to miss it. He does a great job already. A couple of weeks, couple yeah, weeks into it, we... his practice reports are extremely in depth. <laughs> so um, we definitely are are very lucky to have his help. Uh, I want to highlight a couple of comments from PM in the chat. Do want to get the uh, the YouTube chat going here? Lots of comments rolling already. PM uh, says, "Imagine choosing Paris or over Corvallis." Yeah, honestly, that's that's tough. I mean, Corvallis as it's the the belliver, the belligerent beeves on their podcast call it the the Paris of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Paris of Europe does compare uh, pretty well. You know, the only thing Corvallis is missing is an Eiffel Tower, but otherwise, I'd say it's it's pretty identical. Actually, <laughs> uh, he also asks if I had a tough time finding iced coffee in Europe. Honestly, I didn't really look for it. Um, I'm, it was I'm a cold, big espresso it? guy. Yeah, it was it was pretty cold. It was. Um, very similar to the kind of weather we've been experiencing here in, in Oregon for the last couple of well, the last couple of months. It was it was cold. It was windy. It was wet. So that hot espresso uh, was very good. Did go to Starbucks, actually. Uh, their cappuccinos are pretty good. You, you don't get all the sugary drinks like you do here in the U.S. So. Oh, yeah. They're just the plain espresso was like so amazingly yummy. And um, when I was in Paris last May, oh, gosh, it makes me want it to go back just for that. So. Um, iced coffee. I, I'm trying to think if I had an iced coffee over there, PM, because when I was, I, I don't think I did because I just started. <laughs> dude, that's what happens when you start the day with your croissant and your double espresso. And then by lunch, you kind of just transition into Aperol spritzes. So that's, that was my ice drink of choice. Champagne, wine, Aperol spritz. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you can't go wrong. Um, but no, not, not a whole lot of iced coffee over there, which Fine by me. Their coffee's better than ours anyway. So, uh, all right, let's go back to football here. We're going to talk about it for the next about 50 minutes or so. Uh, but uh, again, still want to set the table a little bit. Let's talk schedule. So as Angie said, we're six practices down. Uh, the media was able to go into four of them, including the scrimmage on Saturday, which Angie and Jake were there. Um, we're on a two week break right now for finals and spring break. Uh, this is kind of the same schedule that Oregon State has followed in the spring the last, what, three, four years now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, practice will return on Thursday, April 6th. We do not have a media schedule for the second half of camp, but that will be coming uh, probably within the next few days, I would imagine. They'll go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for three weeks. That final week includes a Friday practice, too, as they gear up for the spring game, which is on April 22nd. Uh, of course, fans will be allowed inside Research Stadium, which looks really good. By the way, Angie, we'll talk about that in just a second uh, in our generic thoughts on the spring camp before we uh, really go deep into the uh, the position groups, the takeaways, the, the standout players. Uh, some generic thoughts on spring camp, Angie. Of course, my sample size is pretty limited, only being at one practice, but I had great weather. You did too for the scrimmage. Uh, how many days of full pads have we seen as media? Because they were in shells when I was there and I know that they were in shells before. So the scrimmage, I think the scrimmage I was, believe, our, was our only opportunity, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Scrimmage was the first full day that we got to see them in full pads. So, um, 
they actually, I mean, they were hitting, they were, they were going at it, but they sat a lot of guys out for the scrimmage. So um, it's, it. spring is always an interesting time because it's, it is everyone goes, you know, the young guys, the, the new guys, the, the guys that don't see a lot of playing time will see a ton of reps um, and it gives them a chance to kind of see, show what they can do. It's just not quite as maybe game polished or game ready as you might see toward the end of fall camp. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to glean a ton of information from practice when they're not going full. Uh, you know, even when they're in shells or, or no pads at all, they're they're still doing a little bit of seven on seven, maybe some uh, light eleven on eleven, some two minute drill stuff. But you don't get those designed plays and um, you know full live tackling. I mean, tackling you can't make anything of that until they go full pads, and then the line play it's very difficult to gauge. So. I'm sure we will see more of that in the second half of camp than we did in the first. But again, credit to Angie and Jake for um, for their full in-depth practice reports, even though we weren't seeing, you know, but I, I can give you the thousand foot level um, observation that Beaver fans should be super excited about. Um, DJU and Aiden Childs are going to be amazing. I, I will say that they, Aiden Childs won won the day basically for quarterback play the first two days of practice that we saw um dj throws the, a beautiful ball um it's just a matter of him now kind of getting settled in the system i do see a question from mason i know dju is going to be the starter but do you think ben goal will get a little more playing time than we expect no <laughs> simple answer no um the, the, you know, Ben Goldbranson, no offense to him. I keep hearing, well, he won eight games for Oregon State. No, he didn't win eight games. The Beavers won eight games with him at the, at the helm. Um, nothing against him, but he's not going to keep defensive coordinators up at night. Um, he doesn't do anything like crazy amazing. He manages a game. That's about what, what he's good at. Um, he can hand off, he can manage it. But what we're seeing from DJ and Aiden is top level, um, I have not seen quarterback play like this at Oregon State probably since like Matt Moore. It's it's that good. You take note of something when Angie says that. When when she mentions Matt Moore, I mean, we're talking almost <laughs> 20 years at this point. So, uh, there's been some good football in the last 20 years at Oregon State. So that that definitely uh, is saying something. One more thought I had before uh, we go full on here is uh, the practices and research that we saw. So me being there on Thursday, you, Angie, being there on Saturday. They scrimmaged in Reeser, right? They did. They scrimmaged in Reeser. Yeah. Um, and we saw DJ taking sharing uh, first-team reps with Ben. Um, ben was the more consistent player um, for quarterbacks on Saturday. Um, he wasn't – he's had probably more picks than all of them combined, which isn't totally unexpected, really. I mean, the defense knows Ben's tendencies. Um, and then you also expect Ben to be a little more comfortable and be a little more consistent – DJ day one, DJ was overthrowing receivers day two. He was underthrowing guys. Um, and th this is on live, like seven on seven, 11 on 11. What we saw from him on, um, we, you know, actually it, it's interesting because none of the quarterbacks looked super great on the scrimmage. Couple fold there tight, you know, Jack, uh, Velling was not playing. Uh, uh, several of the receivers were kind of in and out and, and not taking part fully. Um, and then the defense really actually looked pretty decent. So um, I think that's going to be one of our talking points here soon is, is the defense. But I know everybody's really excited about the the prospect of the quarterbacks. I will say we have not seen a lot from Zach Carr or um, Taz Reddix and Montrell Hatton, two of the three freshman wide receivers that are on campus. Um, Taz is in a boot right now. Um, we've spotted him at practice in a in a walking boot. So apparently he should be back mid-April. That's kind of the, the time frame now. I've heard that Montrell, while he is practicing some, he's limited because of a, a foot or ankle that's bothering him. Zach Card. So last year, you guys will remember, I had Damian Martinez early in the spring as my freshman going to be um, something to watch. Zach Card is that guy. Um, but a couple of the freshmen. I mean, Aiden Childs, seriously. Um I, I don't know if I want to go as far back as, as Derek Anderson on that, but what we're seeing early from him, he the fans are going to love him. He's loose. He dances his way into this, the huddle. The player, the, the offense loves him. 
Um, he's going to be special by the time he's done in Corvallis. Um, but eight, or Zach Card, definitely one to watch. Completely agree. Again, from my my very small sample size, uh, I had some of the same takeaways just in watching one practice. Uh, one thing I wanted to highlight, too, is, is the progress made on the Research Stadium project. Of course, we're just a couple of months away now from the full completion of completing Research Stadium. It's March 20th. Uh, the last timeline that we were given suggested that it would basically be done in June, maybe early July, and then, of course, open to the public uh, in, in September. But they've got the seats down in that bottom section. Uh, you're starting to see, you know, it, it looks like they're gearing, gearing up towards installing some in the upper levels, too, finishing up some fireproofing. Um, there's There's still plenty of work to be done, don't get me wrong, but this thing has completely taken shape. Uh, a lot of it now is is just kind of putting the finishing touches on the appearance and and starting to install some of the technology. Uh, we've seen escalators go in, which is exciting. Obviously, that is kind of a sign that you're getting close when you have that and you start moving away from the construction elevator and and all of those types of things. Uh, it is getting very close. I am sure that uh, Oregon State fans, when almost a month from today, they get their first look uh, from from the inside. They're going to be very impressed and very excited about what's to come there. A couple other takeaways that we had from uh, kind of the just the huge overview of camp. Angie mentioned it already. Lots of veterans kind of taking it easy this spring. Some of them nursing injuries. Some of them, uh, I think, it comes down to load management. Uh, Damian Martinez didn't get a whole lot of run in the first few practices. Made his debut when I was there on Thursday. Uh, and then practiced again on the scrimmage. That's an example, Angie, of the coaches not wanting to put somebody through unnecessary reps, uh, not force them to take a whole lot of hits. We've seen it in the past, especially at the running back position, um, but I think the coaches are doing it across the board this year, and it's it's smart in spring. You know, Some of these guys who are effectively a sure thing, uh, some of your star players, a lot of your guys who are locked in and, and aren't necessarily involved in position battles, there's just no need to run them through these reps. Um, so you'll see most guys make an appearance at some point. Um, but I, I think we've seen some people overreact to, to some absences and, and yeah. with Martinez in particular, but some other guys, uh, well, Andy, who are some of the back. other, yeah. Who, who are some of the other players who, um, who maybe, you know, are being held out for load management or you've confirmed are out with injuries that, that aren't going so far. Yeah. Well, we, like I said, Jack Felling's out uh, for spring, um, Makaya Tung practiced the first, what, five practices. He did not go uh, for the scrimmage. We don't know if that's anything serious or just, a, you know, they, they get their bumps and their bruises. Um, there's, I mean, a lot. Ant Gould has not been going um, daily. He'll, he'll do some reps, you know, just in, in drills, but he's not going live. Um, gosh, I think that, I think there's like 20 names on the non-live. We're seeing with running backs, too, um, even Jam and Deshaun, aren't taking a ton. I mean, they're all kind of getting a couple carries here and there, um, but letting some of those younger guys take the load. Um, there were a lot of guys that set out. Um, Joel Valadez, the new walk-on from Linfield, actually was pretty impressive the first couple days, um, but he sat out. Um, Ryan Cooper. Um, no, he, he's been playing quite a bit. So um, Ryan Cooper's been in. Um, and I'll tell you, um, Tyrese Ivey, um, so I think we're going to get into this. I think I kind of over got a little overexcited. They're talking quarterbacks, but um, no, we'll, we'll get right. into some of those, some of those guys. Ryan Cooper has been playing. Um, I mean, most of them will take snaps, but there's been a few, like I said, we haven't seen Ant Gould um, much. Ryan Frankie is still out. He'll be out the entirety of, of camp, but um, yeah, it's especially running backs. There's no need to, um, you know, put that wear and tear on their bodies. I would say don't read too much into the the injury report or anything until fall camp. Uh, oftentimes, uh, again, like I said, th there's just no need to to risk guys who are, are fighting through something minor or uh, you know anything like that. Uh, they're always going to err on the side of extreme caution in the spring. Uh, moving on back again to the quarterbacks. Angie already touched on it, and, and that's fine. Don't feel bad, Angie. We th that was that was obviously going to be one of the main talking points. Um, but one thing that you didn't mention that, that I think caught our eyes immediately was just the stature of some of these guys. Yes. And, and obviously, we're going to talk a whole lot about the newcomers because we figured they are the ones who are going to be in the mix for the starting job. They're the future of the program. 
That's nothing against Ben Goldbranson, who's actually looked pretty solid in spring so far. Uh, but when it comes to the newcomers, obviously this was our first look at them. Uh, DJ Uyunglele looks the part of 6'4", 250. I, I think probably 200 of that 250 is in his lower half. I mean, his legs are tree trunks, um, which is something that you want to see from a dual threat he, quarterback. You, know, he you, carries, you want those guys to be large so they can take the hits. He carries 250 better than anyone I think I've ever seen carry 250. I mean, yeah, look. There's, there's no know. doubt. Uh, Aiden um, Childs, too. He's... He, he doesn't have the weight that DJ has, uh, but he just looks imposing. He's one of those quarterbacks who's going to line up under center. You're not going to worry about them throwing passes into the hands of defensive linemen. You know, he's he's not somebody who's going to have his passes batted down at the line. Um, I, I worry early on about his ability to take hits just because I, I think he does need to put on a little bit more weight. Um, but he no, he as far as 17 year old quarterbacks go uh, physically, he is extremely developed. He could play right away physically and I think do just fine. Um, but I do think, you know, as with most freshmen, a year in the weight room would go a long way for him. With those two, I think the arm talent is unquestionable. Uh, Angie, you can, of course, speak to this too. You've seen more of their uh, more of them throwing than I have. But from what I saw, uh, the arm strength is there. The accuracy can be there. But I think they just need to build a little bit more experience in the system, work with the receivers a little more, get that timing down. Because uh, the arm talent, I mean, like I said, anytime the ball comes off of Aiden Child's hands, it's a perfect spiral. Anytime the ball comes off of DJ's hands, you feel like he can put it uh, where only the receiver can get it. With a flick of his yeah. wrist. I mean, it's just like the most, most effortless looking throw. Yeah. Um, the day one, and I, I know I talked about it in the lodge, um, Oregon State even had a Coach Smith, like a, a split screen of Coach Smith watching Aiden Child's throw to Zach Card. It might have been the most perfect pass I've seen from an Oregon State quarterback wide receiver duo. I, I honestly don't even know when because it seems like Oregon State, for whatever reason, has quarterbacks that either underthrow so that receiver has to stop mid route, turn around, go get it, or has to dive for it. And you, if you have not seen it, go look on Twitter. It was from the first week, so like the seventh, I think, is when it came out. And it is seriously, he launches at a fifty-yard post. Zach Card basically looks up, puts his hands out, and the ball just falls right into his hands, and he continues on for touchdown. It was beautiful. I mean, even Coach Smith, I have not seen him so animated, I don't think, ever. So um, it was – the future is very bright at that position. Yeah, Jonathan Smith looked like a kid on Christmas morning <laughs> watching that pass. Uh, <laughs> kid's impressive, and and we knew he would be just based off of everything – uh, we had heard and seen as far as his recruiting profile had had, had went. And then uh, moving on to the All-American Bowl, uh, a standout there as well. We expected big things from Aiden Childs, but it's really cool to see them come to fruition uh, just weeks into his collegiate career. Again, somebody who should be still in high school. Um, but that early experience, coming in early and and enrolling and, and starting college early, that's going to go a heck and, of a and, long and way learning, for Aiden Childs. And learning alongside of, Ben Goldbranson and DJ. Um, and, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the DJ Uyunglele factor. I hope I said that right. Well but, um, you know, here is a, a, a young man who was the most highly recruited quarterback that Oregon State has ever gotten. Um, he could have picked any school in the country. Carter, you got the opportunity to interview him and, and just how he handled himself with the media. Um, you know, he, he's going to help be a, a leader for all of the quarterbacks in the room about taking it to the next level. Um, and then just hearing from him in his story about how he did his homework and watched Oregon state games. And that was like the spot he wanted to land. And, you know, Oregon state waited a couple of weeks to call him and, you know, bowl game and all of that. But um, it's, it's fun to watch someone that has been at Clemson, which while they've had their struggles is one of the top, you know, in the past five, six years, one of the top programs in the country watching how he handles himself is just going to help Aiden, Ben, and the whole room. Let's move to the defense now, uh, a position group that I think has received some scrutiny from us, from fans, uh, e even from the coaches, obviously, going out and getting junior college talent here uh, with so many guys moving on to the NFL, uh, graduating, you name it. The secondary is, is a group where Oregon State needs guys to step up, guys who have been in the system, uh, who have served as backups. It's time for those guys to step into bigger roles. 
you mentioned Tyrese Ivy earlier. Let's give you an opportunity to, to talk a little bit more about him here as we discuss playmakers emerging on defense. Um, Tyrese Ivy, I saw Ian Massey stand out, Jaden Robbins, yeah. Skylar Thomas. I think that group is more than ready to perform. Um, so let's highlight those and then maybe identify somebody on the front seven who stepped up as well on, on a defense that is frankly relying on a lot of guys to, to replace longtime starters. Yeah. I mean, you look at that back end, the the two middle linebackers are starters are out plus reserves. And then you have the, the secondary with so many veterans. Um, yeah, I agreed. Ian Massey had a great scrimmage. Um, we're seeing stuff from Tyrese Ivy. We, I mean, uh, Jaden Robinson too. I mean, there's a lot of names that have been in the system. Um, and I, I just think this is their time to kind of step up. Akili Arnold, um, Jack Connay. I mean, there's a lot of names that we're seeing and, and consistently making plays. So I think that's huge. Inside linebacker, I think, is still um, maybe a little uh, on, as far as depth. I mean, you got Easton Mascarenas. He will be a starter. Right now, they have John Miller running with the ones on the other side. He's He looked really good on at scrimmage. So that was, that was positive. You have um, Tufaga and... Micaiah Tung, who have been running with the twos, very unknown commodities with those two. So, you know, how quickly do they pick up the system? How quickly can they, they get in? But um, the secondary, honestly, has been maybe the biggest surprise of the early, early returns of spring camp. Closing out this first half of, of the episode here, I want to highlight some individual standouts. Angie and Jake have been providing their dudes of the day in the, the lodge notebooks, those practice reports. Uh, so I want, I, I compiled everybody who, who they have okay. pointed out. Uh, and you know, we don't need to spend a ton of time on each guy, but uh, maybe we can talk about why they stood out. Uh, starting with day two, Aiden Childs. I mean, we've already gone in depth on him. Angie mentioned the, the long ball to Zachary card, uh, the, the stature, the, the fact that anytime the ball comes off his hands, you feel like uh, it's, it's going to go right on the money. Um, no secrets now about Aiden Childs being the real deal, but how about Micaiah Tung uh, making the dudes of the day for day two? Um, I, I got a little glimpse of him at inside linebacker physically again, somebody who looks the part of, of being ready to play. Um, but did he make any, any spectacular plays or was he just all around solid? Why did he end up here on this list? Yeah, just all around solid. And, and for, he is physical. He's bit, he has the body to, to play. Um, I wanted to see whether he was going to get his nose in there and, 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 and he did not shy away from, from tackling. So he was actually in on that. We, we try to just base this off of when they go live. So he was in on several plays. So he just kind of stood out when, when you start writing the same number down, when you start writing nine down, nine down, yeah. nine, you're like, okay, well, he's, uh, he's okay. I, I don't remember who our defensive due of the day was on day one. Cause I don't think we, it was before we kind of launched it, but Aiden Childs yeah. was, was MVP that day as well. Uh, going to day five now, offensively, it was Trevor Pope. Uh, Jake identified uh, Trevor Pope. I, I was more watching the defense that day, to be completely yeah. honest. Uh, but uh, it was it was a good pick. Trevor made a handful of catches uh, for multiple quarterbacks. Somebody who, again, is is kind of he's kind of paid his dues, uh, been here yeah. for a little bit, and, and ready to step up. And I think in a wide receiver room where we have raised questions about the depth. Uh, guys like him, Zachary Card coming as a freshman, you know, these younger guys, uh, who steps up, who who fills in for uh, the Tyshawn Lindsay's and the Trayshawn Harrison's Trevor Pope, uh, one of the one of the taller receivers in the room, somebody who uh, was pretty highly regarded 24 uh, seven sports out out of high school. Um, maybe maybe this is his opportunity to step up and then Ian Massey on the defensive side on day five with the two interceptions. Um, Angie, you said that he had a good scrimmage as well. Somebody who's coming on here um, as as camp rolls on at the safety position uh, came in from the junior college ranks last year. Didn't didn't play much at all. Uh, we saw some of him in practice, but this is really the first chance that we've seen with him running with the ones and twos, and, and he's taking advantage of it. Absolutely, uh, let's You're move running to on the opposite side of Katana Ladapo. Let's move to day six here. And again, Angie, I'll, I'll let you take the reins uh, with four dudes of the day from the scrimmage, starting with Ben Goldbranson. Yeah, we just decided, you know, um, Jake and I were sitting there doing the practice report and we're kind of going back. We're like, there's nothing that says we only can have one or two. So um, we went with Ben and Zach Card. Um, Zach Card, again, was just making plays. A lot of guys sat out. Um, John Dunmore did not go during the scrimmage. Uh, Jimmy Valson, actually, that was another name that has not gone all spring. Not sure what his 
issue is, but he has not played. But we, we, we liked what we saw from Zach Carden. Ben, you know, he was the most consistent quarterback. And so, you know, if we're going to to really pay attention to quarterback play, we thought he needed a to have an acknowledgement. And then I think defensively, you have to be excited when you see Kelsey Howard and Takari Hickel on the list. So Kelsey Howard, I don't know. I mean, freshman, another true freshman. He room he rooms with Aiden Childs, huge personality. Um, he was running with the twos and making plays and talk about someone that gets fired up when he strips a ball or, you know, makes the sack it's he's, he's fired up and he lets everyone know it. Uh, Takari Hickel has been, you know, a little more kind of under the radar. I, I know they loved it. It was more of a project. You know, he was this long, lean, um, long lever guy and brought him on, added some weight. And uh, I think they're really hoping that he can help add to that pass rush. And, you know, we talked to Trent Bray, and that is something that's going to be a key this year is, is finding, you know, uh, some way to get to the quarterback more. And um, Takari was was kind of looking the part. Again, it's it's when you're doing these practice reports, Carter, you know, you are just madly writing numbers down and trying to keep up who's running with the ones and twos and who's subbing. And then you're trying to write down who makes big plays. And so when you start seeing the same number pop up a couple times, you're like, okay, that guy had a good day. Yeah. That's the beauty of spring camp is that um, it's not only do we get to look at guys that we haven't seen a whole lot of before, but the coaches obviously can, can put guys into situations, see how they react because you're not trying to gear up for a game and, and, you know, you're not trying to determine your depth chart right now. It's all about, um, getting some of those younger guys, getting some walk-ons even, getting some some transfers and early enrollees, a lot of snaps. And Takari Hickel is a guy who, uh, again, like you said, it's more of a project when they brought him in. But what better time than now after he's been in the system for a year uh, and you're not trying to identify uh, you know, who's going to be in your starting lineup? But what better time than now to give him some run and, and see what he makes of it? Um, so impressive, again, to see him um, get the get the nod as a dude of the day from scrimmage number one let's take a quick break and tell everyone about the 30 percent off first year offer we have at beaverblitz.com again this is for your first annual subscription uh, for new members at beaverblitz.com it comes out to 627 a month it's a great deal we've been promoting it here for quite a while on the damn podcast uh, spring camp uh, one of those perfect times to join beaver blitz because a lot of our uh, a lot of our coverage does go behind the paywall. Our practice reports that we've been uh, pulling info from here on this episode, that's all behind the paywall. Head to the lodge, uh, head to those VIP articles and get uh, a lot of this exclusive intel uh, that you can't find really anywhere else uh, throughout the spring. And, and baseball coverage and, and all the other good stuff too. Lots of good stuff at beaverblitz.com throughout the spring. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. We turn now to uh, a little revisiting of our spring camp preview. On the last episode that we recorded, I guess what, Andrew, was that at the end of February? It was almost it a was. month ago now. It, it was. It's, it's been a minute, but we did preview spring camp. We highlighted a few things that we were going to watch, and then we gave a few predictions as well. These uh, these also ran in article format at Beaver Blitz. But let's highlight uh, the first thing that we said. Okay, let's let's do the three things that we said we were going to watch, and then the three predictions, and we'll see how things have turned out on that front. So the first thing that we were going to watch, we've talked about it in depth already in this episode, is the DJ Uyunglele factor. You know, this is our first look at a former five-star prospect who uh, 
had he committed to Oregon State at, out of high school, would have been the number one commit of all time. Comes in via the transfer portal. Uh, he's a four-star transfer. Obviously comes with a bunch of hype. Um, trusted effectively to take over the offense and lead Oregon State to new heights. We've talked about the physical tools. We've talked about the arm. Um, Angie, let's talk about the leadership too, because I think this is a factor that when you're identifying a quarterback and, and you want somebody to come in and lead the program, and particularly from the transfer portal, you want somebody who's not necessarily just putting on a show for NFL scouts or who is, you know, just trying to, to rack up his stats or whatnot. Like you want somebody who can help shape your culture and particularly at Oregon state where that seems to be more important than some of the other programs. I think he potentially brings a lot to the table. And from the, uh, from the 10 minute interview that we had with him after day five of practice, I came away blown away by his demeanor. First of all, he went around and shook every media member's hand, introduced himself. Um, he was he was giving out a lot of yes sirs during the interview. Uh, very gracious, very grateful um, for the opportunity, and and frankly was extremely thoughtful in his answers. Which I think, you know, Angie, we interview a lot of guys, and and some are just uncomfortable in front of the camera, and you get it. It, it makes you know, it, it's not for everyone, uh, but he's he he embraces it. You know, he's, he's somebody who I think is very willing um, to, to be in the limelight. And I think that's important at the quarterback position. And Carter, tell me if I'm wrong, because I was not there on Thursday when you guys got to talk to him, but everything I've read, I've watched that video. This is a young man that really did his research too. This yeah. isn't, um, you know, last year, Oregon State was in the running for a, a highly recruited quarterback transfer Um it felt different. That felt different than DJ really feeling like this was a good fit for him. And he wanted to come here. Um, not necessarily for what Oregon state could do for him, but how he could help elevate Oregon state. Um, and it, it's a, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. You know, he needs to build his confidence back up kind of in a, in a system that really highlights his strengths for what he wants to do in the future. But yet it Oregon state can really use that elevated quarterback play to take themselves to the next level. Yeah, in case you missed the video or the transcript, again, all of these up at beaverblitz.com, uh, DJ said that Oregon State was one of his top top targets, maybe even uh, his preferred school when he put his name in the transfer portal. He did, like you said, a ton of homework, uh, watched a bunch of film. He said he watched all of Oregon State's games uh, and reached out to the program. This wasn't a case of Jonathan Smith, Brian Lindgren going out and recruiting him. He recruited them effectively. Uh, and didn't even hear back for two weeks. So, you know, it wasn't, I, I don't think Oregon State was playing hard to get. Obviously, they were scouring the transfer portal too. So they had their commitments. They were preparing for the bowl game. It was a busy time, um, which again, I think can kind of lend to uh, some of the concerns we have about the timing of all of this. The transfer portal, the the early signing period, you know, we need a, a better schedule. That's a whole discussion in itself. But um, the fact that, I mean, basically, he got the cold shoulder for two weeks, but stuck with it, uh, immediately committed to, to Oregon State after the coaches got back to him. Um, I, I think it was very clear based off of that intel that he dropped that um, this is a guy who really legitimately wants to be in Corvallis. And mind you, he committed without even having without ever having been to Corvallis, which I mean, for anybody who's been there, you know, it's so unique. And, you know, it's it's not like a ton of other college towns that is it is your prototypical college town. Um, and, and, and people I, were like, I think, oh, it's, did I think you it's impressive. With... Yeah. And people were asking him if he chose it because his brother was playing at Oregon. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I didn't talk to my brother about it. And yeah. I, don't, I don't believe he talked to his dad. This was a decision he made on his own. And um, this was his, his decision and he felt good about it. And like I said, I, like we talked about earlier, the leadership is going to be huge. Um, I think just especially with young, you know, there was some talk, is this going to spook Aiden Childs? And I, I can't no. see how it can. I mean, you, he has the chance now to kind of learn and, and grow under a, a kid that's been through a lot of spotlight and a lot of, um, you know, bright lights. And DJ can help impart that on, like I said, all the quarterbacks. The second thing that we highlighted in our preview that we were going to keep an eye on was the early enrollees. We've we've talked about Aiden Childs. We hinted on Kelsey Howard. Um, 
But those two four stars, obviously, with the recruiting uptick at Oregon State, uh, those were the headliners of the class. Uh, both have shined so far, more so the former. You know, Aiden Childs has uh, has been one of these standouts, regardless of position, regardless of class uh, of spring camp so far. We're excited to see what he brings in the second half of camp once he gets, again, you know, more and more work in the system under his belt. Uh, but Angie, I want to talk more about the wide receivers because three of them have arrived. We've only seen one of them, and that's Zachary Card. Um, I, I don't think we've talked much about his speed. So Zachary Card at Oregon State's Beaver Combine ran the fastest 40 time of anybody on the roster. And again, somebody who should be in high school right now. Has it translated to the practice field in, in some of the live drills that you've yeah, seen? Yeah, yeah. No, he's... He looks quick. Like I guess he reminds me of an Anthony Gould. Um, that's in stature, the way he runs. And since Anthony hasn't really been going, he's kind of filled that role. But you know, here, I mean, Silas Bolden is a is a quick dude himself, and um, Zachary Card is right there. Um, yeah, fastest was a four three, four three five, something like that. Something like that. Anything Again, that's four, that's four. hand time, so yeah. you never know. But. Um... I mean, it's fast. <laughs> there's there's so, no way around it. Um, he, Like I said, he's still that smaller bodied receiver. Um, I, I still want to see Oregon State. You know, that's where I think a guy like Montrell or, or Taz Reddix will kind of help is just with their size. But I love what I've seen just early. Like I said, this has just been between his film and then watching him a little bit on the, on the practice field is that is Joel Valadez, the new transfer. So He's definitely one to watch. Um, John Dunmore has gone or like early, but like I said, he didn't go um, on Saturday. Neither did Jimmy Valson. So a couple guys sitting out there, but um, you know, we're seeing kind of the usual suspects. I think this is a big year for Silas Bolden and uh, no, those, those freshmen though are going to be fun to watch once they get, get back going. I think one thing that's particularly exciting about that wide receiver situation with the young guys is that, we heard the Zachary card comp from Jonathan Smith on signing day. So we knew that there was something there. Um, but when we were talking about freshman receivers who could be that guy who steps up right away and, and sees some playing time and, you know, maybe fills the Zariah Beeson true freshman role from a couple of years ago, we weren't picking Zachary card. We were talking more Montreal Hatton, mm -hmm. um, maybe Taz Reddix, but I think Hatton was the guy that, that at least I was um, kind of expecting. So to see, that Zachary card is, is doing that right away with those other two on the bench. We have no idea what those two are going to bring. They still could be that guy who steps up. What if you have two true freshman wide receivers who are impossible to keep off the field? I mean, that would be huge for a group that, again, I think we still have some depth questions, but they're starting to answer themselves right now. Absolutely. Let's move uh, again to the defensive side. Um, we said that we were going to be watching for Oregon State's ability to replace, and again, replace is a strong word when you're talking about guys like Jaden Grant, uh, Rajon Wright, Alex Austin, but uh, getting guys to step in for those lost defensive starters. Uh, we've talked about some of the guys who have stepped up, like John Miller, um, you name it, but how about some of the newcomers that we haven't talked about yet? Olu Omotosho at, uh, at the edge position, at outside linebacker, and Nico Taylor as well. Those two guys at outside linebacker, uh, from what I've seen, they've been running with the twos. Um, I didn't really write their names down a whole lot on Thursday, uh, but have you seen any flashes from those two newcomers who we expect are going to be uh, firmly in the rotation come the fall? Yeah, I, Nico Taylor, I've seen him several. He's even got a little bit of play with the ones. Very um, sparse, but he's he's been in there a couple times. Olu, um, we, I've written his number down a couple times as well. Um, long, long lever guy. Like I said, th these are going to be your prototypical edge slash outside linebacker. Um, I'm excited to see them. Um, we just haven't seen enough to to really make a, a definitive answer. But um, definitely, guys, I think I think this summer is going to be huge for them just yeah. to finish getting in the weight room and um, kind of just gain comfort in the system. Yeah, again, it's it's not necessarily an indictment on their potential if we haven't said that, you know, these guys are making plays yet. I mean, it takes a minute to get adjusted, uh, to, you know, to get your footing in a scheme. Um, and so, you know, maybe even over the next couple of weeks, you start to see them make progress. But Angie, like you said, that summertime is going to be huge. Uh, I would expect come fall camp that they're going to be full speed. Uh, but it 
does take a little bit of time. Um, let's move now to the three predictions that we made before camp. We made one for each side of the ball, including special teams. We haven't talked much special teams, so we'll get to that in this segment. We said that the offense will win more scrimmages this year. Well, we've only had one that's at least been available for us to see. Um, Angie, do you feel like there was a winner, a, a loser from the scrimmage? Was it pretty even? I mean, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, but last spring, by far, the defense was a step ahead. What did you think from Saturday's scrimmage? The offense or the defense was not as ahead as they were last year. But I would say if I had to pick a winner, I'd say the defense won just because the offense really kind of stalled out. They struggled um, to punch it in. But it wasn't glare. Like it wasn't like last year. I mean, Carter, you remember it was like defense yeah. won the day. Um, I mean, there was a scrimmage where the offense didn't score a single touchdown. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and they practiced for about two hours. So, yeah. So, no, I, I think, like I said, if I had, if somebody asked me who won, I would say the defense, but it was way closer than it was last year. I think that's good to hear. Um, you know, oftentimes your defense is way ahead of the offense this time of year, um, but with the the offensive struggles that we saw at Oregon State last year, you know, you wanted to see that script flipped a little bit. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily an indictment on the defense because you did upgrade on the offensive side. You have better quarterback play. Um, you know, you know who you have in the running back room and Damian Martinez, your offensive line brings back a ton of experience. So I think it would be fair to expect the offense to take a step forward. And again, that's kind of why we made the prediction. So, um, that's where we're at there. Second prediction, we said that a lot of new faces would rotate on defense. That has been the case so far. Uh, newcomers, walk-ons getting a, a ton of run. Angie, are there any walk-ons that you want to highlight? Because Jack Kane, we have seen a bunch of in practice since he got to Oregon State. He's now He's been on the two deep in practice, even in the fall. Um, obviously hasn't seen a ton of playing time on defense. Uh, but usually this is where you identify guys who are capable of making plays. Sometimes they end up on special teams. Sometimes they work their way onto the two deep in the fall. Um, but is there anybody that you would project? Uh, projecting is, is a strong word, but anybody that you think could be the next Oladapo or Grant or somebody who could be in the mix this fall as a walk-on? Well, I think, I think yeah, Jack Kane, absolutely. He'll be, he'll be playing, um, whether it's nickel or safety, he'll be, he'll be in the mix. Um, Tanner Miller, walk-on yeah. lineman. We saw him play last season. Another, you know, strong one. Like I said, I've mentioned a couple times, Joel Valadez. I think, well, I, I don't know whether he'll, you know, be in the two deep, but I do think we'll see him occasionally, maybe early in the season. But um, so far, I've liked what I've seen from him. Uh, let's move to special teams again, because I, I want to highlight special teams, even though we don't see a whole lot of it. We saw a lot Saturday, and it wasn't pretty. Is that right? Okay, so yeah, let's talk about it. We said our prediction for special teams is that we wouldn't learn a bunch. Sounds like we might have learned something on Saturday. I read the practice report, so I know where you're going with this. Um, but tell us about the field goal situation. Yeah, field goal situation. They used three field goal kickers, you know, Everett Hayes, um, Atticus Sappington, and Josh McCormick. Um, mm -hmm. Everett Hayes missed, I don't know if he missed one or two. Um, Sappington missed one. Um, and we're talking like clang off the, the uprights. So not what you want to see for a 35 yard field goal, especially when Oregon state, you know, missed several field goals last season. That might've been a difference in the game. Yeah. Seeing that in a practice, lot of work could be done. Yeah. Seeing it in practice when the pressure is off, uh, you know, usually we're talking about the kickers going like 90% in practice. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon to see that curious how much is, you know, they're still working, working off some of the demons that they were fighting uh, throughout the season. It looked like Sappington from the port report went four of five, but that was really the only bright spot yeah. um, as, as far as what I saw there. Okay. We've got about 10 minutes left here in this episode. Uh, there are some position groups that we haven't really talked a whole lot about, and I want to highlight those before we get out of here. So uh, running back, we, you know, there's just frankly not a whole lot to say. It's just a deep talented deep group. group. There's not a whole lot of running plays in camp, especially when they're not in full pads anyway. Um, so, you know, just because we're not talking about it doesn't mean that they're not going to be good in the fall. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to highlight, Trey Lowe's healthy again, which, again, now your running back room legitimately goes five deep when you've got him healthy. Yeah, 
it's it's going to be um, another special group. Um, and re then running behind that offensive line is is going to yeah. be a, a fun one. But I guess we, we'll start with tight end because we haven't talked a lot about tight end. So um, not much. I mean, not a ton to report. Novelling. We have seen, I mean, Jake Overman obviously is, is in the mix right there with the ones, but we've seen some Gabe Milborn, Bryce Caulfield, and some Jermaine Terry. So he's the one I'm anxious to see more of. Um, he's the transfer from Cal. Um, another another player that's put together very well, um, has a great body um, and, and makes some good catches. So just has not had his number called a whole lot. I wouldn't sleep on Gabe Milborn or Bryce Caulfield either. Um, they're, they're guys who... Again, like Jack Kane, we were talking about, we see a ton of in practice, but not necessarily on the field in the fall. Uh, these two guys have been making plays on the practice field for like two, three years now. Um, and I think they are, I think they're legitimately ready to play. Um, I, I know that at, at least one of them was dealing with an injury uh, on the front end of last season. And so the, the progress there was a little upended. But, um, you know, Oregon State's tight end room, like the, like the running backs, it's legitimately five deep. Um, and that's, I, I think, a benefit of the fact that Oregon State has recruited it so hard and so heavily uh, over the last couple of years. Angie, you mentioned the offensive line. Again, a position that we don't really talk a whole lot about in camp. Usually we wait until the season to, to analyze it a little bit more. But I think continuity is the big story on the offensive line. You're not really breaking in any new starters. Uh, you mentioned Tanner Miller, the walk-on. He and Luka Vincic have been holding down the guard spots. It's kind of Cool to see Vincic as a true sophomore um, or, or a redshirt freshman. I can't remember if he redshirted or not. Um, to, to get onto the two deep there, while Marco Brewer is still working his way back from injury, while Grant Stark is getting up to speed in the offense, um, can't really get a, a great read on that until we see more full padded practices. Uh, but what I saw on Thursday is actually that the defensive front seven got a ton of pocket pressure. Uh, we saw multiple sacks. Uh, we saw the pocket collapse a couple of times. Um, but I think that says more about the defense than the O-line, just because uh, with the O-line bringing, bringing back so many starters, like we know it's going to be good. There's there's really no question about that. It has been the strength of this team for three years running now. Um, so I always use that as a litmus, a, a litmus test for the defense. If they're getting pressure, I think that says more about the defensive line, the outside linebackers. And, and I think when you, when you look at that defensive line, you have to, you, where I, where I'm seeing it is with James Rawls and then Lolo Hea. Um, yeah. Both of them are just taking that next step. Um, they're comfortable in the system and you're right. I mean, the defensive line has actually been getting pressure. Um, there's been several plays with, even at the scrimmage whistle dead, you know, protecting the quarterback. So um, that's, it, it's been a, a point that the defense wants to, to work on and, and they obviously have been this off season. Yeah, Rawls and Lolo Hea, those are the guys to me on that defensive line. Uh, Isaac Hodgins back for what, like a 20th year in this system? Uh, I'm curious, Angie, if he goes back into a bigger role uh, or if he is kind of on the fringe of the ones and twos like he was in the regular season last year, obviously working his way back from injury. Now that he's really fully healthy, I'm curious if he does kind of ascend back to being one of those leaders of the front seven or if some of the younger guys are going to kind of squeeze them out, you know, Quincy Wright has gotten a ton of run in camp so far. Um, I, I'm curious to see how that goes to Kari Hickel. Of course you mentioned uh, was making some plays as well. So it's good to have competition in the defensive line group. It's been quite a while since we've seen it um, have this much talent at the top, but then also some really promising guys behind it. So I think it's an exciting time on the defensive line. Uh, one more thing, Angie, before we, conclude football special teams anything we didn't mention um I, I didn't get to see josh green punt at all so i haven't he's not punting leg. right now he had a hip surgery so he's okay. actually just and working his way back so he is not able to punt right now and the return game again really hard to gauge that because yeah, they don't do anything done, live yeah, they haven't done anything um but i think you know what you're going to get with anthony gould and silas bolden who were literally swept the the all-conference special teams return awards. So, and, and one of them was a first-team All-American, so I don't think there's really any question there. All right, that is our spring camp first half review. We want to touch on a few more sports before we get out of here. We have about five minutes to do so. So let's wrap up the winter sports and, uh, and talk about where the spring sports stand a couple of weeks into the season. Men's and women's basketball, 
Uh, I'm sure nobody listening wants to hear a whole lot more about those. It was a rough year for both squads. Uh, they both suffered early exits at the Pac-12 tournament. Wrestling, on the other hand, finished as the Pac-12 champion. So a great year for Chris Pendleton's crew. Uh, we talked a little bit about that hire and that program a couple of episodes back. Oregon State won five individual conference titles. Trey Munoz finished sixth at the NCAA championships. Uh, so a great year for the Oregon State wrestling program, uh, looking to to continue to rebuild and, and, and climb back up with Chris Pendleton at the helm. And then one more winter sport uh, that is seeing a ton of success right now, obviously, is the gymnastics team heading to Denver uh, for regionals on Friday. Uh, the Beavers finished fourth at the Pac-12 championships. Not really a huge indictment on the program because the Pac-12 is so stacked. Uh, but how about Jade Carey, of course? I mean, just always, always incredibly impressive. Repeats as the individual all-around champion at the Pac-12 championships. Angie. Did you um, watch any of that? I did not, unfortunately. So, well, so the week I was before. Okay, so the week before, actually, they had a dual meet with Utah at Gill. And Oregon State beat Utah, yeah. which is huge. And Utah is in front of a sold out crowd. In a sold out crowd. I mean, so I watched that one on Pac-12 Net. Watched part of this Pac-12 championship, and and you, it was in Salt Lake City, Utah. While they didn't have their best meet against Oregon State in Corvallis, they were um, kind of on fire. And like like you said, I mean, you look top to bottom, the Pac-12, like every team is ranked in the top twenty or top thirty. So um, Oregon State was in that second rotation with the top four teams. Um, and I mean, UCLA, I mean, all of them, but Utah ended up winning the, the PAC 12 title from the championship. So Oregon state shared in the regular season PAC 12 title. Um, and then when they had their PAC 12 championship, Utah won that, but Jade Carey didn't even have her best day and, and walked away as, as, um, all around champ. So huge, huge for her. Moving to the spring sports now. Uh, again, you know, we're a couple of weeks into this now. Today's the first week or the first day of spring officially as we're recording this on March 20th. Uh, baseball, it, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the Oregon State baseball program. Uh, the Beavers returned to Goss on Tuesday for the first of three midweek games this season against Portland. Uh, they stay at home this weekend against California. Oregon State swept at number nine Stanford. It's the first sweep against the Cardinal since 2010 obviously it's impressive that it's been that long considering just how good stanford's baseball program has been uh, over the last couple of decades but the beavers have now lost six of their last seven they're looking for uh, for offense they're looking for more consistent starting pitching uh it's it, it's been a rough go of it season is is still extremely young we're only a month into a, a three-month-long regular season so plenty of time for the beavers to write the ship i think they will uh, you always risked this kind of thing with a, a young team like that. The other diamond sport softball heads to Stanford uh, this weekend after going one, one and one, they, they tied against Cal uh, in the finale of their home opener. They're 10, 15 and one overall and one, four and one to start Pac-12 play. So again, it's, it's been a tough go at the last couple of weeks for both of the diamond sports Women's outdoor track and field started this past weekend at the Oregon Preview in Eugene. How about this? Jade Whitfield. It's If you have the first name Jade, uh, chances are you're probably a pretty good Oregon State athlete. Jade Whitfield set the new school discus, uh, discus record in the first weekend of the season. Impressive stuff there. Quite a few first place finishes on the track as well for the Beavers. And then on the golf course, Jackson Lake on the men's side has been a highlight. Really nothing else of note. Uh, it's not been a, a particularly standout season so far for the golf teams. That's all we've got, Angie, unless you have anything you want to add on the way no, out. No, excited to uh, get things back going again once uh, spring break's over. Two-week break here on the football field. Uh, we'll be back to recap the action when, uh, once they get back to it. Uh, again, good luck to all of the student-athletes during finals week. Hope Everyone enjoys spring break um, and hope your bracket does well in, in the uh, the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, and Championship game. Uh, I've got three of my Final Four, my champion, both of my championship game participants now he's alive. Just, he's, so. just, he's just rubbing it in now. <laughs> hey, I, I have to do it while I can because chances are it's not going to last very long. <laughs> but uh, we will uh, we'll update you on the, uh, on the Beaver Blitz official group next time we convene here on the damn podcast. Until then, 
You can follow her on Twitter at Angie Machado one. You can follow me at Carter Baines and we will talk to you again. Um, sometime in the, in the near future depends on, on football schedule. Uh, we'll, we'll talk baseball. We'll talk March madness. We'll talk football next time. Um, when we convene for another episode of the damn podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.